right, welcome to episode number six of The Great Blue Shark. I'm your host, Chris Hopper, and today joining me is Josh Zolan, uh, CEO of Windy City Equipment. It's a service-based company that specializes in repairing all types of commercial restaurant equipment in the Phoenix area and the host of Blue is the New White podcast. Welcome, Josh. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you, Chris. I uh, do appreciate the invite and uh, always uh, excited for an opportunity to speak with like-minded people. Perfect, perfect. Well, I uh, looked on your LinkedIn. I looked on your website. Uh, Obviously, you're in a business that uh, when people got appliances, they need repairs. And when they (laughs) need repairs, uh, it's cool that you got a YouTube video on there for the do-it-yourselfers to kind of do a little troubleshooting. How did tell me how did you get into the restaurant equipment repair space? <laughs> so that's a that's an interesting story. How about how far back you want me to go? <laughs> we we got a little time, my friend. You tell me. All right. So uh, so I I had a little bit of a unique upbringing. Um, for those who don't know me out there, I started my life uh, and my career as a as a young boy uh, in the stunt business. So my my grandfather doubled for Charles Bronson. He was one of the first stunt people ever in the film industry. Yeah, you know, coming from being a cowboy to you know getting thrown off horses in the in the movies and stuff like yeah. that. So my whole maternal side of the family uh, then he you know kind of bestowed that that was a family business upon all my uncles and my mom and that's actually how my mom and my dad met. Uh, met he went through the school that my grandfather had to. Uh, allow people to break into the stunt industry. Uh, so my whole family were uh, stunt men and stunt women uh, all through their lives, basically. And um, and that's all I knew growing up. Uh, so I was the kid that rolled cars before he had his driver's license and jumped off buildings. And, you know, so that, that was my high school career, basically. And that's what I was born into and what I thought I was going to do the rest of my the rest of my life. So uh, at about 18 years old, I, uh, as soon as I graduated high school, I moved out to Hollywood and uh, began pursuing that career. Uh, in the meantime, my mom and my dad had split, uh, and he had gotten out of the stunt business and uh, became a foreman at a bakery, of all places. Um, and so he had moved from Chicago out to uh, Arizona, while I pursued the stunt business uh, out in Hollywood. And uh, eventually, a few years in, uh, I realized that even though it was everything that I knew growing up, that it wasn't exactly what I was born to do, right? As uh, as we all turn corners at different times, Mm -hmm. and my realization was that uh, I didn't want to get hit by cars for the rest of my life. That's got to be tough. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was, and it also wasn't, you know, I looked around and and I saw my entire family limping around and, you know, I mean, we're, we're as safe as we can be in the stunt industry, of course. Uh, But that's still dangerous. I'm sure it's, it's still dangerous and and it still hurts no matter how you slice it, man. That's what I was going to ask. Is there a secret to just getting bucked off a horse or falling off a building or motorcycle crashes? I can't imagine. There's probably a safe way to do it. It's just still going to hurt. It's an art form, man. And, and every single one of those stunts is done a different way. And, uh, and there's different elements of safety involved. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. There is a strategy to every single one. So not that you don't get hurt, but you get hurt as little as possible. <laughs> yeah. And there's right? probably, it probably doesn't all happen on the first take either. 
No, it doesn't. Actually, you know, that leads me to the story that caused me to leave Hollywood. Yeah. So, uh, so I was doing a commercial for, uh, you remember the old cell phone company, Altel Wireless? Yeah. yeah. And uh, they got bought by like Verizon or something like that several years ago. But anyway, they had these commercials where you had the Verizon guy, the T-Mobile guy, uh, the AT&T guy, you know, and, um, and they're all usually standing around talking. Well, this, this specific commercial, they were on the sideline of a football field. And uh, I doubled the guy that uh, AT&T guy, I forget his name. Um, but anyway, his role was he had to throw his arms down and say, man, how could this day get any worse? And then right then and there, he gets pummeled by a football player. In right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so the guy that got pummeled was me. That so was you're just uh, catching it in the ribs. Just That boom. was it. Catching it in the ribs. I was the guy that knew how to fall. So yeah. I didn't get any pads. You know, this guy was probably... 6'3", pushing 240 with yeah. full football gear on, yeah. right? Running yeah. as fast as he could. Yeah. And uh, and they called me in because, hey, I know how to fall. Yeah. So uh, anyway, we did about 15 takes of that. <laughs> and because uh, they just couldn't get it right, right? They just yeah. couldn't get the take yeah. that they needed. And so finally it was all said and done and I'm limping home and, you know, sore for the next week or so yeah. <laughs> after yeah. that. And, uh, and finally I saw the commercial air and I realized they used the very first take. Are you did. kidding me? No, no. It was take number one. And I could tell by the way that I fall because it hurt the most. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they used the very first take. And at that moment, I realized that if I stayed doing what I was doing, I was never going to be more than a rag doll for somebody who was deemed more important than I was, whoever I was doubling. Right? Yeah. I'm the guy that they, they put in so that guy doesn't get hurt. Yeah. And that just didn't resonate with me. That was not my personality at the end of the day. Yeah. I, I want to be I want to be the guy. I want to do something great. I want to sure. – I want to help people. I want to make a difference, right? And mm -hmm. there's only so much of a difference I can make, you know, getting hit in the face. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, that caused me to move, right? I, uh, I, so your original question, I'm sorry, I took you down a long path. No, here, no, no. I, that's, that gives me some background. Yeah, yeah. So my, my dad, after he had moved to Arizona, started a little restaurant equipment repair company because that's what he was doing when he was uh, foreman at a bakery. He was fixing yep. big ovens and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So he had an entrepreneurial spirit and they were kind of, you know, uh, screwing him around at the at the bakery that he was working at. And he was putting in ungodly hours for very little pay. And so finally he said, screw it, I'm going to go open my own business. Yep. And uh, and that's what he did. And so after that commercial aired, I called my dad and I said, listen, dad, I have no idea what it is you do for a living, but I know there's some opportunity there. I want to come work alongside you. Yeah. And uh, and that's how that's what got me from California to Arizona yeah. and uh, started my career as a technician in the equipment repair industry. There you go, dude. Hey, and there's 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 something to be said uh, working with your dad in the family business. When it's your idea, not his yeah. idea, but your idea. There's a lot. That's there's right. a big difference in there, uh, and and I see that a lot. So, if someone decided to get into the restaurant equipment space, what kind of background should they have? I can. I've I've got a couple ideas, but uh, I'm interested in hearing what your take is. Yeah. So you know, this is a, a little bit of a mis uh, a misperception that exists uh, everywhere. Um, you don't really need a background to get into the uh, 
this this business right you mm-hmm. you need an aptitude you need a mechanical aptitude you know but even that can be learned uh mm-hmm. for most people i'm not going to say everybody sure. yeah <laughs> right but for most people if you have a desire to learn and and you know you're good with your hands and you can work you know you work better creating things than thinking about things then you know chances are you're going to be good in a skilled trade and specifically this this skilled trade um so re- we we like to to take people right out of high school right and mold them into uh, the technicians of tomorrow, uh, if, if we're given the opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, there's not a school that teaches what we do, right? You can go to trade school for refrigeration or for HVAC or for plumbing or, um, you know, to be an electrician, but there is, there is no school to fix restaurant equipment. <laughs> yeah. You know, so every, every job is an apprenticeship basically until you work your way up and, you know, become a, uh, a junior technician, senior technician, and uh, and the like. And I talk a lot about this in in uh, in my book, also titled "Blue Is the New White." Yeah, I saw um, that. Yeah, so it's it, that's the misperception. But you but you only just need a desire, like anything else yeah. in life. If you got the desire, you can you can build the skill. Yeah. Well, and how rewarding can you imagine that it makes those employees feel? When they actually, I mean, they, they, they took the call on somebody's, you know, problem. They was able to go out there and fix it uh, using their hands, using the background, using the, 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 purple, the, the people skills that you guys probably trained on to accomplish that. And, and I'm, I'm assuming that the, the blue is the new white uh, has got some, some similarities to, you know, there's a lot of college kids that go to college. They don't know what they want to be. They go to college to get that degree. They still don't know what they want to be versus, I mean, something like this. I mean, you see a lot that a lot of that stuff over here in uh, in the Oklahoma City metro. I mean, you got to, I mean, there's a big shortage of electricians. There's a big shortage of plumbers. Uh, there's a big, actually, there's just a big shortage of people that want to work. And that's what we're seeing a lot of. I mean, I've got some background before I got on the insurance side of things. Uh, and still do is, I mean, in the farm and ranch. And I mean, it's, there's a lot of work in that and there's just got, I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of direction. Tell me, kind of give me a, the roadmap on what, you know, the road to becoming a, an Inc 5,000 company. Like what's that like? I mean, cause obviously <laughs> you've grown this thing. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if it's so much a, a road as it is a, an incredibly rough terrain that has absolutely no direction or, or forgiveness. <laughs> uh, you know, it is, uh, it, it's definitely something that, uh, I would, I would have hoped to achieve, but I, I wasn't sure, uh, that I had the facilities or the capacity or the ability, you know, to, uh, to do it. Uh, but lo and behold, we landed on that list three years in a row, which was, uh, just, completely unbelievable. And, um, I mean, it really starts with the mindset, right? I, I, I started one of your questions or finished one of your questions by saying that, uh, it's the desire, right. To, mm-hmm. to succeed, um, whatever success looks like to you. I mean, growing a business and creating something bigger than myself and my family and anybody that I could employ is, uh, is how I define success, right? That's my mm-hmm. version of an accomplishment. And so, uh, that's what I've, that's what I chased, you know, with, with everything that I had. And I think that's the key. You know, you see this, this day and age kind of to your point, right? Yeah. It's hard to find people to want to work, but what I'm seeing is it's hard to find people, even when you do uh, get them to work to focus on mm-hmm. one specific thing. I think the 
average tenure now of every any employee is like three years yeah. or something like that. I mean, it's ridiculously low. And, uh, you know, so my philosophy has always been a little different. I, I, I see, you know, especially my generation and some of the generations coming up, they try a whole bunch of different things to see what works, but they never give anything enough time to make it work. Sure. Right. And, and so that's, that's what I've focused on doing. And the result is, is what you see, right? I've, I've uh, uh, poured myself into an industry that I never thought I would be in, that I never even knew existed, mm -hmm. right? I thought I was going to be walking red carpets at this yeah, age. right. And, uh, and I found something far more rewarding to me personally. Yeah. And uh, it's because I, I stuck with it and everything that I did and, and I have aligned everything in my life to, you know, the trade that I, that I pursue. So give me a little bit of background. What is the what is a, a, a an Inc. Five Thousand company? What does that mean to to our audience? So an Inc. Five Thousand company is uh, that's one of the five thousand fastest growing companies in America, as deemed by Inc. Magazine. Okay. Right. And so uh, I think there's something. I just don't quote me. There's uh, yeah. 10 million businesses out there, right. you know, something like that. So one of the, one of the 5,000 fastest growing is, uh, is how you make that list. Gotcha. So you guys have really taken off. If you made it three years in a row, uh, that's, that's saying something. What, uh, how many employees are you guys up to now? So right now we're pushing uh, 70 employees. So not, not a lot, you yep. know, this is a relative number to growth as yep. well. So, uh, so the, the bigger you are, the harder it is to oh, make yeah, that absolutely. percentage. Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah. You can't double and double and double. That's right. Uh, uh, are you, you maybe, if you did, you may be scratching your head going, why, why am I doing this again? That's exactly so, right. So the profit goes out the window. So how did that impact? I mean, once you hit Inc 5,000, what kind of an impact did that have on your business uh, once you hit that on that on that that uh, that magazine? You know, that's a really good question. Um, it was it was cool to be able to market that. Okay, yeah. I'm I'm just transparent transparently. It was really cool to say that hey, we've we've accomplished this. You know, but the satisfaction wasn't really in the gloating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and at the end of the day, that's what we were doing with the marketing, right? Yeah. And, and listen, it, it, it worked and, you know, sure. it, it got eyeballs on us and stuff yeah. like that. But really, the ROI was the team, yeah. right? What it did internally. I mean, you know, for those who run businesses, you know how hard it is to run a business, to get mm -hmm. everybody in your business aligned to a, a, a common vision, you yeah. know, and that kind of stuff. You know, but when you achieve an accolade like this and you can accredit it, not to me as the CEO, right, yeah. the owner of the business, but to the team and, and them putting their best foot forward every single day, you know, and without them doing that, there's no way that we could have achieved what we did, yeah. you know, and that's evident and everybody feels that. So it reverberates through the organization and, and really creates a sense of pride for yep. being part of it. Yep. And, and so those three years, um, you know, we, we really came together as a team and, uh, and the growth almost snowballed to fuel the, fuel the growth. Wow. That, uh, I mean, if anybody, if any of our audience watches, uh, football on Saturdays, a lot of times the, the commentators on, on, on the Saturday broadcast will kind of highlight a quarterback or, you know, a running back or, or somebody that usually it's offensively that makes a lot of huge plays. 
And I mean, they're just, I mean, they just can't say enough good about them during that game. And what I like to see Josh is, I mean, after when they interview him at the end, I mean, he'll, you know, give praise, but he'll also say, listen, if it wasn't for my O-line or my D-line to do this and everybody, every guy out there on that team, I wouldn't have had the game that I played. So, I mean, they, they recognize that they did something good like you did, but you also said, hey, man, it wasn't me. It was a team. If, I, if it wasn't for my team, I couldn't have done this. And so, I mean, the, the credit really, you know, a lot of, I mean, it's, it's, it's shared equally uh, to some degree. I mean, because it's a team uh, 100%. To, to, pull, to pull that off. Since, since starting your podcast and doing, you know, some content marketing, what outcomes has your business experienced from that, from that content creation and growth? Yeah, that's, that's another good question. Um, so the, the podcast kind of spun off the book, right? I published the book first, and then there was such a great response from the book. I had tradespeople reaching out to me saying, hey, you know, uh, I'd, I'd love to talk to you and just kind of bend your ear and tell you why your book resonated with me. And eventually I was like, well, I should start recording this because these are some really cool conversations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, and so that's kind of how it, how it spawned, right? And, and it's grown significantly since then. And the opportunities that it's presented is like nothing I've ever seen, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, now, you know, it's, it's kind of woven back into the fabric of, of Windy City Equipment and caused our entire company to level up as a thought leader in the industry, mm -hmm. right? We're collaborating with people, tradespeople all over the world and, and, you know, putting our profession and these covered, you know, these professions on a, on a pedestal and in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And that means a lot, not only, uh, to, to the people that I'm talking to, but to the people in the organization, because it makes them feel like they're part of something big, yeah. you know? And, uh, and for, for me personally, I mean, what I've been able to learn from, I mean, I'm on guest, I think 157 or something like yeah. that. And I've gotten, I've been able to learn just vast amounts of information very quickly by having all of these conversations. And so just incredibly, incredibly fortunate to be in that position, you know, and, and from a hard ROI standpoint, uh, two of my former podcast guests, are actually executives on my team now. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So it was almost like a, an, it was almost like I was interviewing them without knowing that I was interviewing them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd say, I mean, and not, this is my assumption. I'm saying once you read the wrote the book, that you know, for a lot of your peers in that industry, it gave you number one, you know, instant credibility. Now, I mean, he wrote a book. I mean, what what else what else do we got to say? I mean, the guy he's he's obviously smart. He knows what he's talking about because he's got a book and he's got it published. Uh, and then, how do you how do you market for your podcast? I mean, how do you get guests to get on? Uh, you know, the the blue is a new white podcast. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's a simple reach out. If there's somebody out there that uh, that I think I should talk to, either me or my director of marketing will reach out and just say, hey, you want to be on the show. Oftentimes that spawns, you know, word of mouth. People mm -hmm. recommend other people to be on the show, Great. you know, and uh, I try to keep it to a very specific t 
type of guest. Um, I don't want to get too far off track, too far out of the niche that we've created. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done that once or twice, and it has not felt great, yeah. um, you know, in the conversation and even with the response from the audience. So, yeah, I mean, really, it's old school, right? We just we just go, you know, we find somebody worth talking to, and we, we invite them on the show. And I think I kind of skipped and kind of got that out of line. I mean, uh, Josh runs uh, the Blues, the New White podcast. How did that... What what when you're saying that the blue is the not the the new white podcast? What does that mean? And I mean, who are who are your who are your ideal interviewees? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so, blue is the new white is is the term that refers to you know blue collar skilled trades uh, are are the new what people would consider white collar professions in a coveted way. People covet white collar um, careers. You know, because that's kind of what we've been forced into, right? College is the way, and you know, you, you the 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 way to succeed is to think, you know, not to necessarily work with your hands, but to create with your mm-hmm. mind, you know. Which, listen, all of that has its place, sure. But you know, because so many people have been forced into this this prerogative, um, that has left a void in uh, in the skilled trades industries which has in turn caused uh, increased wages, better benefits, uh, increased safety, enhanced cultures. So the, the businesses now that uh, people used to say, oh, well, you don't want to get your hands dirty, you know, um, work with your head, not with your hands, that kind of stuff. These businesses now are, are paying unbelievable amounts, uh, even more so than, than what you can get from a lot of college degrees. So the whole premise of Blue is the New White is to talk to the people that have actually experienced this, right? Mm-hmm. Or So in and around the skilled trades, blue-collar communities, yeah. and talk to them about why they love what they do, how they find fulfillment, why it leads them down a path of success, how much they make, how, you know, what that means for them and their family and their employees and their coworkers and all of this stuff. So take, you know, everything that, that makes them happy and, you know, put it on a on a platform to allow people to understand how the skilled trades and blue collar businesses allowed that for them. I love it. I love it. And here's the thing that and I mean there's a I, I love I, I love blue collar. I love I love hard workers. I like the guys that get out there and just go. And and I'm glad that, you know, they're getting an opportunity to make to make good money and here's here's what I think is happening too is you had a generation that was trying to move their kids to the the white collar and not think and so now you've got a generation that they're even more dependent on the skilled trades because they don't have any idea how to do any of that stuff uh fortunately I mean I grew up where I, we, we had to do it and we got to do it and stuff like that but there's a lot of people that get, as simple as changing a tire changing your oil changing a light plug uh, yeah. They don't know how to do it. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, I know. That's tough. The hey, number of people that have no idea how to put a chain back on a bike for their kids is astronomical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's nuts. All right. So where can people find out more about you, Josh? Yeah. So you can find me on uh, basically all social media platforms at Josh Zolan. You can check me out at bluesthenewwhite.com. There you can uh, find the book, you can find the podcast, you can find whatever you need about me. And then, uh, you know, uh, wcecommercial.com is, uh, uh, is is my actual business, not my brand. So Okay. 
And do you do you try to have podcasts with folks outside of the Phoenix uh, area, or is it primarily right in there? I mean, what's your what's your footprint? Because I worldwide, call, worldwide, perfect. Yeah, right, we actually we had one of our one of our last guests was from Istanbul, Turkey. Uh, oh, really? She was okay. a female engineer who uh, was constructing uh, one of the buildings out there in Turkey. Love it. Well, I think uh, I we kind of touch on. Uh, with the great blue shark, I mean, some of the, some of the similar, so if some of my folks want to do podcasts, uh, if you're open to, you know, have more opportunities for slots, I'll definitely, uh, try to connect you guys there. Josh, thanks for joining me today. And thanks for everybody tuning in. If you got any questions you'd like to answer by the great blue shark, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, the link's going to be in the description. And if you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to help us get more great blue sharks to come share their story and advice. Josh, thanks again. Uh, many, uh, many thanks. And uh, we'll talk soon. <laughs>